Today on The Ticker Tapes, we hear from Karen, a former dancer whose life was changed by an attack of a rare heart condition. I was taken over to the John Radcliffe where they performed an angiogram and that's when the consultant said, I'm really sorry to tell you, but you've had a really, really serious... He said it's similar to a heart attack, but it's not, but it's something called Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. From the British Heart Foundation, I'm Molly Tresiden, and on the ticker tapes, we hear from people living with heart and circulatory conditions. On this episode, Karen talks to me about the Takotsubo attack she's experienced, what it's like to receive a diagnosis of a condition you've never even heard of, and how life goes on and can even get better after a major heart event. Karen, could you uh, start by telling me a bit about yourself? Yes, of course. I'm 64 years old and I'm married to Brian and we've been married for 36 years. We have uh, one son, Tom, and he's 31 years of age. And for a lot of my life, I was a dancer. I started dancing at seven years of age, right through until I was 33. And then later in the year, I had Tom. So after having Tom, I moved on into teaching dance and then when I reached my early 40s, I trained as a Pilates teacher and still continue to do that up to today. And so could you talk me through what happened around the time of the lead up to your first Takotsubo attack? Yes, of course, we, we, we saying my, my clinician and, and others, we do believe that I'd had a mild Takotsubo attack in September 2013. I'd, I'd been involved in a road accident and ended up having to go to hospital in an ambulance. And I remember in the ambulance when the paramedic said, you know, do you have any pain anywhere? And I said, it's really, really odd. You know, I'm getting sort of pain just to the front left side of my chest and I'd never had pain there before and a little bit in between my shoulder blades I had had um, low back issues before because as a young dancer I actually um, had a fracture in my spine so I did have intermittent low back issues so this was all very very new and I sort of said that to the paramedic so then you know, was taken to hospital and I mentioned it to the doctor and he, he just said, oh, it'll be to do with, um, you know, a little bit of whiplash and it's where the seatbelt was jarred across your chest and across your breastbone when the car hit me. So mm. basically I was discharged with no ECG or anything done and then I felt really, really bad for a month. Um, I, I was having the, the chest pain still, but, you know, thinking, okay, it's to do with the, the seatbelt and the car accident and, and my lower back had flared up. So I couldn't work for a month. And then I'd just gone back to work and I had, and so this was 23rd of October. Um, the, the date is etched in my mind. And I... I'd been to work and I 
had a little bit of a disagreement with my neighbour over a, a new driveway, the work they were having on a new driveway where they'd had big piles of sand and bricks parked on our driveway so we hadn't been able to get our cars on our driveway for four days. So at the end of the fourth day, I did ask really, really nicely, could your contractor move the the bricks and these, the sand so we can get onto the driveway. And that led to the builder really starting to shout at me. And then my neighbour sort of came and joined in as well. So it was very unpleasant. He was a big, burly, sort of six foot six guy. And I do remember at the time being really, really calm and saying well, I'm not getting anywhere here. And I, and I walked in, and then as soon as I'd closed my front door, I just started with massive chest pain. So it was almost like everything that happened at the site of the road accident was magnified hugely. So the I would say that the classic Hollywood heart attack feel, you know, where I was holding my chest, and then I started to get pain in the left shoulder blade. Um, And then I started to feel a little bit sick and clammy, and then I got breathless. So I phoned a a nice neighbour, and she very kindly came over, and it was, my God, what's happened? You look really grey. So she called the paramedics, and they ran the standard test and said, we've got to get you to hospital. So... I was taken to my local hospital. I was left in a corridor for a while because A&E was full. The the room, the waiting room was full. I I just felt in an awful state with the chest pain and the breathlessness. And then at some point, I was taken into the waiting room. Um, My my friend had called my husband because he was sort of working down the M1. So he sort of came and we sat at, I think it was half 11 at night. Um, you know, my husband kept going up to reception saying, when is somebody going to see my wife? She said, a lot of pain. Um, I've said before, we sat and watched, first of all, my fingertips turning blue. And then just because of gradually, I got bluer and bluer. And then it was half 11 and my husband said, look, she's got to be seen. She's turning blue. And and all the time, I, I was trying to sit there and control myself again through my breathing, thinking mm. I'm a really good breather. You know, I, I know it can calm the nervous system. Don't panic about this. So I just remember I kept repeating that over and over and again. I'll be fine. Mm. And this this whole time you were still, you still had that chest pain and you were feeling really breathless. Yeah, and I felt sick. And so, so just, I think, just gone half 11, um, I was taken through onto the the first ward I think it was an assessment ward where they did bloods I had an x-ray done and then waited and then at half one in the morning the doctor came in and he said no there's something wrong we need to keep you in and then they took me up onto a ward and so at half yeah so just gone half one in the morning my husband, I didn't know, but my husband had been told to go away because I'd, I was, you know, I'd been taken onto a ward. And then not long after that, I remember a nurse coming in 
saying, oh, we don't know what's wrong with you. There's something really wrong. I think the troponin levels or the, you know, the blood had come through and it showed that there was something really wrong with my heart. She didn't know what, or they didn't know what, so they were arranging me to be taken over to the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxfordshire. And I know at that point, Molly, sorry if I get upset, um, I know at that point, because I know from when I saw the some consultant I see now, that he said to me that I almost died. And I know the point when I was on the ward when that happened because I kept drifting in and out of consciousness and I just remember thinking okay if I die I wasn't worried if I die I'm gonna sorry I'm going to I'm going to sit on a cloud and I'm going to watch over um, Brian and I'm going to watch over Tom and I'm going to watch over my sister, and I'm going to make sure that they're all right for the rest of their lives. And then, then I went into the men's ward. They said, we need, we need to um, get you into the heart unit. And um, so I was on the, the male ward because there was no room on the female ward. And I remember they kept pumping me with stuff. I, d I didn't know what it was at the time, but they were just saying, you've got to let us know whether this makes the pain go away or does it make it worse? Um, and then I was taken over to the John Radcliffe where they did um, performed an angiogram. And that's when the consultant said, um, you know, I'm really sorry to tell you, but you've had a really, really serious... He said it's similar to a heart attack, but it's not. Um, but it's something called Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. And it was explained to me that my atrium... What, what was it? The, the ventricles had got stunned, so they'd ballooned out. And as a result of the ballooning in my ventricles that the atrium had gone into overdrive, um, you know, beat, 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 beat mm. rapidly. And then my arteries had gone into spasm. So it was something I'd never heard of before. So I, I think I was in the John Radcliffe for a day and then they transferred me back to, uh, to my local hospital. And I stayed on the coronary unit for five days and then I was discharged but then two days later I collapsed again at home so I was taken in again and kept in for another week same symptoms and I when I was discharged I knew that my ECGs weren't reading as normal um, and I did say to the consultant who discharged me are you happy for me to go this time um and he said yes you know if the, there is still something wrong with your heart we're not quite sure what but at your age you will learn to live with it so I was just at that point cut adrift and um you know felt lost and I, I just thought I, I was 57 and I thought no you know before this I felt really really well I was working full-time feeling very well, no 
sort of problems with my health. And I thought, I'm only 57. I will not learn to put up with this. There's got to be somebody out there who understands this Takatsubo thing. So um, that's when I did a Google search and then luckily came across a consultant at the Royal Brompton Hospital who very kindly took me under his wing and has been, um, you know, one of my consultants since. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, Karen. Are you, are you okay? Do you want to take a moment? No, I'm, I'm fine now. I, I just think it, it, you know, those... Because those um, images were so, or, 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 you know, what happened to me was so deep, I think it just gets so yeah. imprinted in your mind. And I still see myself lying there. So it's not something I think about, but I think it's just sort of relaying the experience, you know, even after seven years, I, I, it's, yeah, it's just upsetting. Yeah, of course. And you were thinking of your family. Yes. Yeah. yeah, very, very much so. And so once you've been taken under the wing of the consultant at the Brompton, what uh, what were the next steps from there? So uh, after that, I had my first consultation towards the middle of December and then ongoing consultations. And I was reporting that I was still getting chest pain. I was still super tired. I, I, you know, I'd lost my mojo. I, I had no energy. I would, I was starting with arrhythmias as well in my heart. So it was about early March. We did various tests. We did um, echo scans. I had an MRI scan, and then the consultant said you know, we, we need to do a nuclear scan because it'll give us a lot more detail as to what's actually going in, on in your heart. So when the results of the nuclear scan came through, uh, it was a big relief. It sounds really strange, but it was actually a, a huge relief, Molly, to know that, as my consultant said, the scan showed I still had an electrical storm going on in my heart from the, from the Takatsubo in October. So the heart hadn't settled down. It hadn't gone back to normal. And, and the nuclear scan gave far more detail than the MRI scan. And it was almost like, you know, in a bizarre way, I was really pleased about that because I was beginning to think, is it all in my head? You know, am I not mm -hmm. making enough effort you know, or anything I was reading on the internet said, oh, you'll recover, you know, you'll recover within days, you'll recover. And my consultant, uh, the Radcliffe, had said, give yourself about three, four months and you'll start to feel more like your old self. But, but I wasn't. I was very symptomatic. So it's just that validation of, hey, there is something going on in my heart. It's not all in my mind. Actually gave me a feeling of peace. Mm. And you were still getting these arrhythmias, which is when your heart's beating out of rhythm or beating very fast. Yeah, I started with ectopic beats where I was missing beats. And then I was going into sort of fast rhythm that started off as atrial tachycardia arrhythmias, but then developed into atrial fibrillation. What's the difference between those two? The... Tachycardia arrhythmia. So what we'll have to do is like 
I'll have to go and check up on, on <laughs> like notes about this. So my understanding is that the tachycardia arrhythmia, in my case, um, was coming from the atrium um, and it was fast. So it was over 100 beats per minute. So, um, and I, I think they were sort of running with the whole telonists I had, they were running, you know, from over 100 up to about 180 but they were always in a sinus rhythm. So they were regular. They, mm -hmm. It was fast, but it was regular. So it just feels like your heart is is just beating incredibly fast in your chest. Yeah. And then I'd get sweaty and um, feel a bit dizzy with it as well. Um, whereas the atrial fibrillation was much faster and it was more erratic. Mm-hmm. So it, so it felt more like I had a, my other consultant at the Brompton, the electrophysiologist, cardiologist, um, I described it to him once. It felt like I, it, I had a moth, you know, like a moth trapped in a jam jar mm. and it's trying to get out and it's fluttering around all over the place. Um, but but it's, not, it's not rhythmical. It, it's like, you know, beating the wings here and then there. And then the volume like seems to change. And yeah, it's so much more erratic. Yeah, that's a great way of describing it. That's yeah. my understanding. But, but I, might, I might be like, you know, corrected on that at some <laughs> point in the future by somebody. That, but that's my layman's understanding. But, and that's how it felt when it was happening Yeah, to so you. very, very, very different. And so once the, that scan had been done and, and they found out that there was still activity happening in your heart, what, what was, was there any kind of treatment for that then? Well, I, I've been on beta blockers, uh, a, a number of sort of tablets from, you know, leaving hospital. So we sort of played around with those for a, a while, really, um, you know, sort of adding new ones and then taking other ones out just to see if that would help stabilise things. Um, so beta blockers, I'm still on beta blockers today and at the moment on sort of baby aspirin as well. And then we sort of, you know, we still sort of talk regularly when I have my sort of consultations. Okay, what do we do we need to change the medication, you know, just depending on sort of, you know, what the, the lay of the land is leading up until the next sort of consultation. And then as a result of the heart rhythm disturbances, in, I think it was October 2016, I had a cardiac ablation and that I had to have a repeat done in the following February. Mm. So about four months later, because it hadn't been successful. Mm. So mm. We, we had to, we went in and, and I had a redone, a re redo done. <laughs> And um, that seemed to be to get rid of the atrial fibrillation, but I'm still, I do still get every day the tachycardia arrhythmias. So we, I've got a consultation in a couple of weeks' time, and I, I had a whole um, a monitor on for three days a couple of months ago. So it'll just be really interesting to see. Um, what the monitor picked up because I know you know I, I knew that I, I was very sort of symptomatic again every day so hopefully there's some good data to go on there yeah so that's still happening every single day now yes yes it is and so that's just kind of become a part of your life now 
Yeah, so, um, you know, every, every day, as I say, I'll get runs and most days there'll be just like a little conversation, you know, to, oh, okay, here it goes again and it will settle and it'll be fine and I can get on with my, you know, my day. And then other times if it goes on a little bit longer, I'll, I'll have a discussion with my heart and go, okay, heart, thank you for letting me know I'm still alive and you're still beating. Thank you, but you can go quiet now because I need to go and start work. Um, and then... I do get occasions where the arrhythmia won't stop and it will just go on for two days and then I am really quite flawed and I have to cancel my work and just sort of ride, ride it out. Um, but I know it will always stop. You know, that, I, it, that's the good thing. I know, okay, it's just a bit of a blip. It might go on for two days, but then it'll start to pick up yeah, I'll start to pick up as the heart just sort of drops back into a more normal rhythm. Mm. I, th I think after seven years of it, you just get to know your body so well. Mm. You know when you can ride it out and, and you're not being, you know, uncareful, you know, about, about yourself. You think, no, th this will pass. I know this will pass. I've been here before. Or when, if I knew I'd have to take action... Yeah. which is what happened in June of last year. Same scenario, getting ready for work and started with the tachycardia arrhythmias, but I started to sweat with it. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, that's interesting. Then I started to get a migraine, which I have had since I had Takotsubo. So on this particular morning in June last year, I had all of that happen. And then I started to feel not well. So I started to work with my client via Zoom, because that's how we've been working the last year. And after about 10 minutes, I said, I'm really sorry, I've got to stop, because I started to lose my cognition. You know, I knew I was sitting on a chair. I knew I was having a conversation, but I was my mind was in a complete muddle. I didn't know what was coming out of my mouth. I didn't know what I'd said. I wasn't really cognizant of my client on the screen. So I went upstairs and again said to my husband, I feel a bit odd, I need to lie down. And I said, can you go and make me a cup of coffee and get me some crisps? I thought a bit of caffeine and a bit of salt might <laughs> make me come round. So he did that, brought them in for me. And then he, he went into his study and I felt the right side of my face start to droop. So I felt my mouth go. I, I just felt everything start to collapse, which really worried me. Mm. And I called out for my husband to my husband, you know, there's something going on, but it was very much uh, there's something going on because my, my speech had gone as well. So he immediately saw what had happened. He called for the paramedics. By the time they came, my face had righted itself again mm -hmm. and my speech was less slurred, but luckily while they were doing their, you know, the ECG and the, and the blood pressure, exactly the same thing happened again. So I just started to feel 
the face started to drop and my, my speech went. Um, and they said, no, we've got to get her to hospital. So I went in and was um, assessed and put onto the acute stroke ward. And how was the recovery from the stroke? It, it was good. I, I think because of my background as a dancer and a Pilates teacher, I had to take time off work. And for a, a couple of months afterwards, my S's were really quite slurred. So, um, but you know, my clients were lovely and we just like laugh about it really. And body-wise, my limbs were... They, they needed working on, but I had, you know, a really, really good cohort of exercises. So I, I didn't need physio because I knew how to, you know, power up my legs again, or my leg again. And I knew how to sort of power up the arm again by doing different exercises every day. And I was visualizing it moving really well and then incorporating, you know, some resistance and strength work. And it's really good today, mm. um, you know, back to perfect balance between the right and the left side of my body. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. And I'm aware that, you know, you've had all of this very scary medical stuff going on over the period of the last seven years, but you have also been sort of out there living your life. <laughs> so yes. I was wondering if you could talk through what, what your sort of everyday life was like before and after the Takatsubo and how that's changed things. Yeah, of course. I mean, before the, the Takatsubo, I used to work very, very long hours. So I used to work Monday to Friday daytime and three evenings a week. I wouldn't get home until 10 o'clock at night. So that was my sort of, you know, my working life before Takatsubo. And I think... I was really, really stressed. I, 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 I didn't have much time for myself because my, my work was dominant, you know, with, with note writing and teaching and lesson planning, all, all of that. So very, very little time for myself and, or, or with my husband. So the work balance sort of before and after has sort of changed massively i i didn't work for two years after the event and i knew that my working practice had to change i couldn't go back to working the long hours until 10 o'clock at night very very difficult choice because i'd run my own studio since 2000 and my clients at that point had been with me for 14 years and had been incredibly loyal. So I felt that, you know, with this not being able to work, where I had to bring new teachers in to cover my classes for me, and then the realisation that I couldn't go back to how it was before Takatsubo, I really sort of felt I was letting my clients down. But, you know, things had to change. So that was really the, the big change was with work before and sort of after. And then on the other sort of front, in the enforced time off work, I, I decided I had to embrace my situation and to find something and to do something meaningful to 
to change the way I was, to, to change the way I looked at the world, because in my case, the Takotsubo was caused by stress. You know, the, the first one by the stress of the accident, the, the second one through the, the stress of the disagreement with my neighbor. So I had to find something to stop or to give me as much chances to stop Takotsubo happening again. And, and that was a very strong want and much more than it being fear-based, it was um, it was love-based. Um, the um, the memory of seeing the face of Tom when he came in to see me for the first time. I was in the CCU ward in the hospital. Um, the look on his face, I can still remember. Yeah. Um, and you wanted to make sure that you were still there for him. Uh, um, he, he just looked so devastated. And that was my, my drive to do something to give myself as much chance. You know, I just wanted to you know, give myself as much chance as possible. It wouldn't happen again. Yeah. And, and for me, that was very much, I had to get in control of my stress levels. So um, as a result of that, with my time off work, I decided to um, study neuroscience. So for a year, I studied neuroscience in as much depth as I could. And then I learned about neuroplasticity in the brain and decided okay this is this is what I've got to do um so I got myself um on a course in London college and university in London and trained in the first instance to be a clinical hypnotherapist and psychotherapist and then when I qualified in that and I thought you know this is really because I I understand behavior and my, my own behavior and it really sort of started to make profound changes I thought I've got to go into this further now so I can help other people um, and then I trained at Oxford University in um, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy so I did teach training with them and then decided you know it's been so profound in my outlook on life and how I meet challenges because life continues to be life and throw challenges at us but deal with it all in a much much better way and and I wanted to be able to help others do that as well yeah. so my my life if I if I'm honest you know if, if I could take away the the pain Takasubo's caused for Brian and Tom and, and others I love, if I could take that pain away from them, speaking today, in all honesty, my life is better. You really turned something terrible into a pretty amazing opportunity. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and, and not just for me you know, and, and my family. I hope I've really been able to help 
and inspire others as well. Because I, I think when you go through something so profound as almost losing your life, things have to change. And, and how have you been helping other people? Is that through your psychotherapy work? So, yes, so it's, it's through the psychotherapy work. And it's also when I saw the consultant in London for the first time and thought, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be absolutely all right because I've now found somebody that not only understands Takatsubo, but also listens. So on that day, when I left the hospital, I made a promise to myself that one day I would do something where I could help others in the same situation as I had been with Takatsubo to stop any other patients falling through the net. And that sort of manifested itself in 2016. So it took a while because I, I was still struggling you know, with legacies from Takatsubo. But I decided the quickest way to be able to help others, other heart patients, is to set up a support group, a, a private support group on Facebook. And I do remember sitting there ready to press the go live, you know, the button with, for the Facebook group and then thinking I might be the only person in the world who's a member of this. And then <laughs> today, so we're talking about four years on, we've got, I think we're heading up to 2,500 members worldwide. Wow. And, and the lovely thing is, you know, my lovely ladies who were number two, number three, number four, number five to join the group, um, a couple were in America, um, a couple UK based. They're still in the group today and they, they're still on there every day, you know, giving guidance and giving support to the other members. Mm. So there was, yeah, there must have been a real appetite for people who've been through similar experiences to yours and wanted to find other people. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's frustrating hugely that here we are, you know, seven years on from my event. There are other lovely members who had their Takatsubo even before, you know, ten years ago. So even after all of that time and as there's more research into the condition and more knowledge out there about it, we still every day get new members joining who have been treated with exactly the same attitude as I had um, or members still being very symptomatic six months after the attack at Subo, you know, that they're getting chest pain, they're having arrhythmias, they can't exercise like they used to, you know, even going up the stairs might make them breathless. And then they, they report back to their cardiologist and they're being told in no uncertain terms, your last heart scan showed your heart's back to normal. There's nothing wrong with your heart. That's still going on far, far too often today. So, you know, I hope that the support group, you know, we can help with the patient's you know, A, when it's a totally new you know, disease that they've been diagnosed with, that sort of whole shock, 
um, to say, look, you know, we all felt the same. We were confused, we were angry, we were upset. Very, very normal way to feel and sort of share our experiences so that they know they're not alone with this. But just as importantly, those who are still symptomatic to say, no, it's not all in your head. You know, I, I went through that, as I said earlier, after I'd had the nuclear scan, the relief that it wasn't all in my head to mm. say, you know, there is some, the, the chances are there is something going on for real here. You're not imagining it. You need to go and you need to find somebody else that will be able to help you the best outcome for you yeah because it's still it's a condition where I imagine that hardly anybody who has had a Takotsubo attack had ever even heard of the word Takotsubo before that happened to them so to then find that there's this whole community of other people who've been through the same thing it must be an incredible feeling when when they kind of find your community and find the information that you provide Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so, so it's the patients and, you know, sometimes it's, it's the family as well. We, we, the, we had a, a post a couple of days ago from a lovely man and the post was, it was a year to the day that he's, he'd actually lost his wife because mm. she died with Takotsubo. And, you know, for the, the gentleman in question he feels really supported that the group are there for him yeah. and that he can come on, you know, with with his feelings and he knows he's not going to be judged at all and he's going to receive nothing but support. So, you know, whenever he needs, you know, or feels he wants just to share how he's feeling and have a conversation in private that we're there for people like him as well yeah yeah absolutely so do you think now you kind of wear your heart on your sleeve more I do absolutely and and after my Takotsubo and this might be important because I know other lovely patients on the support group have said exactly the same thing I was so frightened Molly of showing any form of emotion so I was frightened to laugh I was frightened to cry I was frightened to get angry I was frightened to be happy so so I I walked around for a year or you know like a zombie because I was scared it was going to trigger something again yeah and it was very much different to the stiff British upper lip containment this was fear. Oh, if I have a really good belly laugh, that might bring on Takotsubo. If I get mm. upset about something, that might bring on, on Takotsubo. So I, I literally, I was like a zombie, just encased, my poor husband, you know, encased in my world of neuroscience, like a little wounded puppy curled up in the basket in the corner, afraid. And, and it, it, that wasn't just me. What we, we do every now and again when we're not in lockdown, we sort of meet up for coffee. Little groups of us will meet up somewhere in the UK and have a coffee. And it was really interesting because I hadn't shared that with anybody. And one of the, the ladies on the coffee morning said, I don't know about anybody else, but I've turned into like this emotionless person because I'm frightened to show any emotion other than bland 
Mm. And then I went, ah. And, and then I said, well, I was like a zombie for my first year. And then other people on the support group have done posts about it as well. Yeah, so, yeah, clearly a very common thing. It's like people after a heart attack being scared to get back into doing exercise, that kind of thing, because you're suddenly aware that something can happen with your heart. I think yes. you kind of go through life when you don't have any heart problems, you kind of just go through and your heart is there doing its job and you don't even think about it. And then suddenly you're forced to think about it and think yes. about how it's working. Yeah, absolutely. And with exercise, and when I thought, gosh, as fit as, fit as I'd been mechanically for all of my life, you know, the fact that I couldn't even lie on my Pilates mat and do the most basic leg slide without being totally exhausted. It was that, my goodness, will I ever, ever, ever get back to, you know, where I was before? Yeah. Um, and, and that was, um, yeah, really, really scary. You know, A, the, the symptoms I was getting of just feeling exhausted and thinking I'll never get back to doing the advanced work I was doing, you know, with Pilates or, or back out doing long walks or runs or cycles or anything like that. Because you're just frightened, you push your heart too much. But today you're back to doing all of those things. Yeah, and I'm back to dancing as well. I, I because of the, you know there's a lovely one of the good things about lockdown is I do an on week tap class every week as a, as a tapper, not as teaching. My teaching days are over, but I do. I've got my tap shoes out again. And I've got my ballet shoes out again, and I'm doing oh, ballet bar again once a week. So. Yeah, that's, it's lovely. Yeah. Is there anything that you wish that people understood about Takatsubo or I suppose kind of having heart problems in a more general sense, especially as a, as a younger woman to have a heart problem? I, I think as far as the Takatsubo goes, the, the awareness that the event itself can be very very different for everyone so the um the differences in the severity so that can be anything from mild through to severe so it's not just oh it's takatsubo um you know the, there's lots of factors that need to be known about like the severity of it because you know, I presume common sense would dictate that if it's a very mild attack, that, you you know, there's more chance that you're going to recover very, very quickly. So within three weeks, you know, you might be back out to playing tennis or, you know, back to work full time and no symptoms whatsoever. Whereas if it was an extremely severe attack, that might affect the long-term outcome and then I think in sort of general for any sort of you know heart heart event that you know they can be different in their symptoms for everybody and and you know maybe women especially need to know that it might not be the chest clenching dramatic pain that we often see portrayed on TV, and it might be something very, very subtle, like unexplained fatigue. You know, it sort of comes on for no reason, and 
it's been happening for a couple of weeks or there might just be discomfort or pain around the jaw area or like I had this sort of scapula, left scapula pain, so it might be upper back. It might be a, a feeling of indigestion. So, yeah, being aware that the symptoms aren't always as we would expect. Mm, mm. And they can affect, you know, a, a woman in her 50s. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, with the, on the Takotsubo front, we have got members in the group as young as sort of mid-twenties who've had Takotsubo mm, as well, yeah. as, and men as well. So not just women, women, we've got men in the group who've had Takotsubo as well. And, and I think, it, you know, not sort of, you know, to give up hope and there's that, you know, there's a, there's a lot we can do as individuals when we've got a heart issue and it's just that you know, common sense stuff that, you know, we can look at what type of exercise we can do, even if it's just gentle chair-based exercises, just so there's some movement in the body because the body really loves movement and, you know, what we can eat and what we can do to keep stress levels down if it's an individual like me who very much needed to and things like, you know, good sleep hygiene. So all of those things that we can, okay, well, can I just sort of tweak my lifestyle a little bit to give my heart better chance for better mm. recovery? So your Takotsubo was kind of directly caused by this particular stressful event that happened. Some other cases of Takotsubo are triggered by things like stress or really strong emotions like grief. Um, but not all cases of Takotsubo have got a cause like that. Is that right? Yeah. Because that's one of my concerns and it is that, you know, the research shows that, that you know, basically we're in three groups and that the, the biggest reason for Takotsubo is they don't know. It just happens, which must be awful for people. And then under that group, the, the next group down is the people who had a physical causation. So they've got an underlying health problem or it happened during surgery or it might be that we've had six members in the support group maybe eight who actually had it when they were scuba diving so oh. what would normally and or, or, or you know some have been halfway up a mountain so, so that what we would think of a physical cause um so so that they're all they all come under a physical causation so either underlying illness like cancer or during surgery or physical, as an mm. exercise physical. And then my group, the the one that, the group that's everything's made, you know, much more fuss about is the stress people. And, and we're the least group, less in numbers than the other two. So that's just why I think it is important to, to keep saying about the causation isn't just because of stress. Yeah. And you're, I mean, you seem to me like you're an amazingly positive person. You've kind of been through all of this stuff and somehow come out of the other end smiling. Are there, are there positives that you've taken from going through all of this? Or is there advice that you might give to somebody who is in a similar situation to you? Oh, gosh, yes. I, I think that we can gain something from 
all of our life's experiences, whether they're good or they're bad. And what is not possible now, maybe later. And if those things aren't possible later, other wonderful things will come along. You know, I'm certainly not the me I was prior to Takatsubo, um, but I'm a new me. And, you know, I quite like it. And I've realized I can't change my past, but I can change my present. And then my present becomes my past. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I think, you know, I've trudged down the highway of many, many setbacks. But, but to keep balance, we have to keep moving. So, and my mantra became, and I still live by it now, I, you know, I pick myself up, I dust myself off, and I start all over again. And, and you know, that tomorrow is another day. Yeah, absolutely. Karen, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. It was very powerful, and I think it will really helped anybody who might be going through something similar thank you my pleasure thank you for listening to me and i hope it does help um you know other listeners as well takatsubo cardiomyopathy is a condition where the heart muscle becomes suddenly weakened it can affect anyone but more women are diagnosed with it than men a takatsubo attack can cause the same symptoms as a heart attack including chest pain breathlessness or collapse. Remember, if you experience any of these symptoms, you or someone nearby should call 999. As we discussed in the episode, Karen runs an online support group for anyone who has been diagnosed with Takatsubo. You can find it by searching for Takatsubo Support Group on Facebook. Or for more information, you can go to the website that she's set up at takatsubo.net. If you've got any questions about your heart or circulatory health, you can call the BHF's Heart Helpline and speak to a nurse between 9 and 5 on Mondays to Fridays on 0300 330 3311 or email hearthelpline at bhf.org.uk. Thank you for listening and join us next time on The Ticket Apes.